Hello and welcome to the podcast. This is Behind the Movement. My guest today is Charlie Roth, and I am thrilled to be sharing this conversation with you, and we'll get to it in just a moment. Um, want to make a few announcements. The first is I've gotten some some really amazing messages from people because I guess uh, as we get close to the end of the year here, Spotify is telling people what they've listened to the most, the most songs and podcasts, and uh, a number of people have reached out to me and also posted on things like Instagram showing that, uh, you know, this podcast has been one of their top podcasts of the year. So I'm really touched and honored by that. So thank you all so much for listening, and thanks to everybody who sent those messages and and posted those things because it really means a lot. Um, yeah, it's amazing. Thanks so much. Um, some really exciting stuff coming up at the beginning of January. Uh, I'm going to be headed off to Boulder. There's an amazing movement event going on for five days. Uh, it's called the kinetic playground block 1750 is hosting it. And there is a, a, a who's who of teachers on the lineup. Uh, many people who have been here on the podcast, like Marlo Fiskin, my friend Wendy Canal, um, Alicia Grayson, um, Kim Amonqua, Winston Reynolds, and, and so many others. Um, highly, highly recommend trying to be there. It's January 3rd through the 7th, and they are doing... Um, like a sliding scale for pricing, so uh, it's uh, um, more accessible. Um, yeah, I'm excited to be a part of it, and I'm honored to, uh, to to be on the lineup with some really incredible teachers from all over the world. So uh, you can go to my website to sign up for that, or you can go to block1750.com to check it out. <clears throat> um, and then uh, I've decided to uh, hunker down for the winter, in New York, and from January until March, I'm going to do 10 weeks of, uh, of Saturday infinite play jams, so two-hour jams every Saturday from January 15th to March 19th. Um, yeah, I'm excited about it. I'm excited to see some new faces and some old faces, hopefully uh, collect many more new faces as the ball starts rolling. Um, the events are totally outdoors, um, rain, snow, mud, whatever it ends up being, we're going to continue, uh, continue going outside. Nothing's going to stop us. And I always say that the days where the weather is, um, I don't know, seemingly imperfect are the, uh, are really the most memorable and special days. So I can't wait. Um, you can go to my website, kylefintram.com, to get the info to sign up. Um, also, when you sign up, if you sign up before January 1st and you use the discount code IPNY15, you can get 15% off, and there's the option to buy just one of the Saturdays or five or all 10, and you save by you know, purchasing the five or the 10, and you can save the 15% as well on top of that uh, by signing up before January um, January 1st. And I have to say, if you're anywhere near the area and, um, you know, 
the 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 times are tough and 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 those prices that are up there don't seem like there's something that you can navigate at the moment send me a message um drop me a line you can just contact me through the website uh because there are a number of of scholarship spots available um yeah feel free to reach out if uh if that's a situation that you're in because uh I want people to be able to. I want people to be able to be there. Um, yeah. So I think those are all my announcements. Oh, also, I uh, I mentioned last week I put up a, a new blog on my website. It's called Dance with Life. Um, you can read it there. Um, it's been nice to get some really uh, wonderful feedback on that as well. Uh, so feel free to check it out and uh, and let me know what you think. Cool. Now I'm done with my announcements. Let's get to this conversation with Charlie. Um, I met Charlie in Barcelona. Um, he brought a number of his students to my Infinite Play workshop there that Tom Wexler hosted. Um, we got to spend two full days together, hang out over lunch, chit-chat, um, you know, move and groove together. And uh, yeah, Felt like somebody I had known a long time, but we were just meeting for the first time. Um, like an instant friendship. Um, I think he's a great guy, and I really uh, am excited to have him here on the podcast. If you're not familiar with Charlie, let me give you some of his background. Charlie is a movement teacher based in Barcelona. Growing up, he was involved in various sports, table tennis being his main passion, Later on, when studying sports science, he became interested in approaching his physical training from a more holistic point of view and came across the work of Ido Portal. At first, being mostly self-taught, he then went to learn from various teachers, so, such as Joseph Bartz, Fighting Monkey, and Tom Wexler. He is currently leading uh, movement group classes in Barcelona, sharing his ever-evolving passion with anyone who is interested and curious to join. The overall goal of his classes is to facilitate a space where each individual has the opportunity to experience their own body and mind in new ways along with the group members. I highly recommend if you are in Barcelona or traveling through Barcelona, you reach out to Charlie. <clears throat> uh, my experiences spending time with him were amazing, and the people from his group who joined our workshop were also wonderful. Um, so yeah, I look forward to going back to Barcelona and, and dropping in on his class the next time we're there. And, uh, yeah, like I said, highly recommend if you're moving through that, that, that area of the world, reach out to Charlie. All right. Let's not waste any time. This is it. My conversation with Charlie Roth. When did you move from, from, or, or when did you move away from Germany, I guess? I think I was uh, 22 or 23. Okay. Yeah. It was right when I was like um, studying and I, uh, I, had st I had started with engineering, but then soon kind of figured that's not truly what I'm into. And so I decided, okay, I can, you know, study sports science, which was definitely more, I felt more passionate towards that. And then my mom said, well, why don't you go to Spain? Because I was a, not fed up with Germany, but I was a bit like, uh, I want to go somewhere else. And since I also had family and roots in, in uh, 
Lloret de Mar, it's called. Um, it's close to Barcelona, like an hour away. And there was a university where I could study sports science. So I was like, I'll just go for to Spain. But I didn't plan on staying here, though. It was more just for the for the studying. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I just got used to the climate after those four years. So mm-hmm. I was playing with the idea of maybe getting work back in Germany. But once I went there and then autumn came around, I was like, no, I, <laughs> I'm not going to work. Well, I mean, so, after being there, I don't blame you. I mean, it seems like it's one of those places that's just kind of, I wouldn't say comfortable, just beautiful year round. You know, like to me, yes, the, yes. the American equivalent to me was kind of like a San Diego. I don't know. When I was there, I was like, yeah. oh, this reminds me of Southern California a little bit. Yeah, 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 yeah. San Diego, nice. Yeah, maybe LA is a bit too crazy, but San yeah. Diego, I think, is nice. Yeah, um, if you can make it, like, uh, work-wise mm-hmm. uh, here, then I think it's a great place to be. Now, with the work, though, here in Spain, it can be sometimes a bit tricky. So, you know, I've came across some people that came here because it's a nice place to be, but then on a professional level, it was... Yeah, slightly more difficult, maybe. Um, mm-hmm. So, but yeah, food is really nice here. People are nice. So, um, uh, yeah, for now, I'm definitely going to stay a bit longer in Spain, for sure. And do you, and do you think you'll continue to, to, to do everything outdoors? You know, um, to a certain degree, for sure. Um, I think... Uh, I th- I mean, I, I used to train a lot outdoors, but it was more because when I started training this kind of uh, movement stuff, I didn't really have a gym or a place to do that properly. Mm-hmm. So I would train outside um, thinking, oh, it would be cool to have an indoor gym where it's like, you know, where you can do all these things. Um, so, but you get used to it. And then I did have like an indoor gym and I also worked actually teaching classes in an indoor gym for like a year and a half on a regular basis. So once I started giving my own classes outdoors, um, I had a little bit of a difficult transition from indoors to outdoors because I got used to the indoor surrounding. Mm -hmm. Um, But I actually felt a little bit bad about that, that I had difficulties transitioning because I really liked the idea of being outside and, uh, you know, actually enjoying the different type of surfaces and sometimes it's a bit hot, sometimes a bit colder, Um, you know, all these variables, I actually like them, but I found myself, I got a bit like, um, yeah, just too used of having a nice floor and kind of same temperature always. Mm -hmm. Um, So um, yeah, I I think I, I like both to be honest. I, I kind of like the contrast, I think. I like being outside and maybe you're a bit in the dirt. Maybe you have a surface that's not super smooth, but you still do maybe some type of floor work. Um, the weather changes. You know, sometimes it gets darker. And then on the contrast, you go into a gym where like it's a super nice floor and you may, maybe you have some mirrors and, uh, you know, you can put the audio, the music, you can really turn it up. So mm-hmm. you have a bit more like perfect conditions i like both and i like actually the contrast because like with many things right once you contrast it you kind of appreciate maybe one side a little bit more so Mm -hmm. when we're outside rolling in the dirt and then we're indoors what's nice and clean it's like oh such a nice indoor space and when you're doing it all the time you don't really realize it yeah it's a it's like uh i you know 
it's it's definitely an and not an or right it's not this or that but it's uh the and is nice um but it's funny it's almost like you know being outside you're experiencing all the things of life the seasons the the all the kind of uh potential i don't know feedback you get that you can't quite articulate through through your sensory experience um and inside it's like the season never changes it's always the same season right it's always the same time of day because the sun's not moving yeah and you're not getting the breeze and all these things and Sometimes I think it's so, it seems so small and simple, but this is what I always think of when I think of, when I say, when I talk about learning the things that we can't explain with words, it's like, Mm -hmm. it's a lot of that stuff that just comes from, as you said, being on an uneven surface or turning your head one way and the sun being there, right? Or it being a little bit colder and all that stuff, you know, matters, matters a lot in ways that we, we, we don't really know all the time, but it's like, that's really what life is. I don't know. As I always say, it's like, we have nervous systems to communicate with all of those things. And sometimes we just, we, we stay just in the, in the box a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I remember when you were here in Barcelona, you know, we were talking a bit about that and that you, I think you almost commented as if, you know, you see it almost as a problem really that people mm-hmm. endorse or maybe trend exclusively indoors because already our lifestyle is kind of very indoors i mean Mm -hmm. at your home then you maybe in the car you go to the office and then again to the car maybe to the gym and then occasionally you might go i don't know for a walk or on the weekends you go outside but um on a regular basis exposing yourself a bit more outside um be it with your practice or or you know also just walking um yeah, getting a sense of the seasons changing, um, just opening up your eyes and see what's happening around you. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I don't know to which level it's like super necessary for human to be exposed to those things. But for me, as soon as I'm too long, a couple of days indoors, I just get very itchy. I just like mm-hmm. feel like I need to get out and and just... Yeah, just get outside. So I, I definitely sense that. Um, yeah, I, I, I've, I mean, I think it's been a really long time, but I brought it up on the on the podcast a while back because it's it's a great book. But it's one of those things, as I've said before, like I try not to <laughs> to recommend books to people anymore. Because, <laughs> okay. Because sometimes I recommend a book and then it's just too long, and this is a long book. Uh-huh. Uh, so I learned to recommend short books is what I'm, I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah, but this yeah. little, it's 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 called um, understanding media, mm-hmm. and and I think the subtitle is the extensions of our nervous system, and it's by this guy Marshall McLuhan, and mm-hmm. he's basically talking about the 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 effects of all of our technology, right? And that all technology is kind of an extension of our nervous system. Even a house, right, is an extension of our skin, right? Because our skin is no longer. Right. Yeah. feeling the outside world, the, the house is taking care of it for us, right? Yeah, yeah. Shoes are an extension of our foot. Uh, televisions might be an extension of our eyes and our ears. And everything is almost like uh, this outsourcing of our, our sensory experience to other places. And yeah. I always, yeah. and he says, he's like, you know, everything has repercussions. So like the technology is cool. So the Zoom allows us to see each other and be this extension of our eyes and ears. 
but that's just the technology. There's, you know, social, psychological um, effects to this. Yes. Yes. Right. Yeah. And, and that's the bigger thing. It's almost like, okay, well, what is, you know, I think we witness a lot of it of like, oh, the, the, the side effects, good and bad, I guess, of, of having all these extensions of our nervous system. Yeah. 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 It's, Whereas, it's almost like you're giving up certain capabilities or functions to, mm-hmm. like you said, maybe your house, your shoes, your, I don't know, your Google maps, your, uh, mm-hmm. whatever it is. So you're kind of shutting off something, but maybe you might think you're getting something better in return. Mm-hmm. Um, like maybe more direct information or whatever it may be. But on the other hand, you're losing the capability in the first place to actually sense those things and digest them. Yeah. So I guess you constantly need to kind of reflect on, so to which degree is it worth using this or that? Yeah. It's, and it's, it's what it is too, is like a, a lot of the, those things, those extensions are, are almost there to, to limit the potential for surprise mm. as opposed to, being out there and kind of learning to be prepared for surprise. And maybe I'm just saying that because that's the stuff that I, I think is really exciting, but yeah. you know, and I think that that comes from, from being with the things. And again, it's just like, I, you know, I don't know what I'm going to learn by like feeling the wind on my face or, you know, as you talked about kind of being on an uneven surface, but some, some sort of learning is happening. Yeah. Right. And it's the stuff that makes us a little more prepared for, the uncertainty as opposed to the sanitization kind of just being like, well, this is me always creating certainty. I know the lights are going to be this bright and I know that it's going to be this temperature and I know that it's going to be this flat and soft or whatever. Yeah. 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 Uh, Definitely. I mean, I I would also think if you wouldn't have any alternative, Mm -hmm. then it's kind of like just easier to accept it in the sense with, you know, okay. Yeah. It's getting colder. And like I'm not freezing to death. We mm-hmm. can still be outside, no problem. Um, oh, it's raining a bit. Yes, I'm getting wet. And so, um, you know, uh, if we don't necessarily have immediately the alternative to okay, hide somewhere where where it's not raining, or you know, heat up this or that. Um, you know, you kind of just accept it. And of course, I mean, we're living at least here in Barcelona, you know, I think we're all living uh, in a nice apartment, a house, and we have all the things that we need. So just putting yourself sometimes into positions where you like, okay, get into some sort of unfamiliar, uncomfortable situation and Mm -hmm. uh, just figure out that, oh, it's not such a big deal actually. And once you get used to it, you almost start liking it a bit Mm -hmm. because again, a bit of what I said before, those contrasts, it just feels nicer. You still want, like today, before we, I gave my group class, um, 10, minutes, 10 minutes before it started to rain. Not really heavy, but raining. So I need to ride with a the bike there. I'm getting wet. The other people who also came along also got wet. Uh, we had planned to go to a certain location. We had to change it under the rooftops, the place where you gave your workshop. Mm-hmm. And uh, usually when it's bad weather, we kind of go there to be under the roof. So we're not completely exposed to the rain. But then the rooftops is covering us and then it's raining on the sides. And that mm-hmm. just sounds so beautiful. And you're like mm-hmm. covered under the rooftops and it's dark and there's some light. And then we did the session there. And then when you get back home and you take your, you know, your warm shower, you're like, ah, oh, 
you went on a little adventure almost. Mm-hmm. So it's like at the end of the day, you can go back to your comforts, but it's nice if you kind of balance it out with some other a bit maybe at mm-hmm. first uncomfortable kind of things. And, and and there's also these like small and large layers of, I don't know, creativity that's happening along the way because inevitably you're problem solving a little bit, you know, even yeah. just the, sim- you know, I mean, if you're doing gymnastics, for instance, even just the simple fact of everybody has to hang straps and rings at different places at different times, depending yes. on what's happening, you know, yes. it seems so small, but the idea of going into a gym where, for instance, rings are always hanging for you. Yeah. Like you, yeah. you know, yeah, yeah. it's not always the, the biggest things that are the, the, the learning things. Yeah. Yeah. It can, yeah. it can be navigating, hanging a strap from a, 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 a branch that's at an angle and then dealing with rain over here and trying to move things. And, you know, all of this stuff is, it all matters, you know, in, in the realm of, of creativity and, and being adaptable and, and things like that, if that's what someone cares about, you know, clearly it's what I care about. And I think it's very interesting. But um, when I think of you guys doing that, there's, it's not just the moves or just really what's in the, maybe the lesson plan. It's, you know, there's this whole kind of, I don't know, almost like festival of creativity that's kind of potentially happening around it when you when you commit to that kind of way of doing it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, for sure. And I think also that, um, you know, you, you, you practice it a bit and then you, I guess with creativity in general, you, you just get a bit more used to coming up with solutions when you have something that's not really going your way instead mm-hmm. of being like, oh, so what do we do now? Like, and maybe it is really just a little thing of, well, just look to your right there. You can also attach a ring or maybe like a little thing, but if you're never used to it, even that little thing, maybe just doesn't cross your mind. Mm -hmm. And um, so these little changes, these little variations that kind of come along with, you know, practicing outdoors kind of keep you alert and awake, maybe a bit more than just going to the regular gym that you've known your whole life again. I have nothing against gyms at all. And mm-hmm. I really appreciate it myself as well. But um, coming back to the question you said at the beginning, even if I were maybe to at some point, I don't know, open up a gym or something like that, I'll definitely make sure that there's some sessions outdoors for sure. Like I wouldn't want to take that away from me, nor from uh, the people I, I, I want to share that with. Because I definitely, as you think, there's a lot of valuable things with that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... Um... Yeah, it's something that, you know, I think sometimes, you know, people almost think, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're an or, right? It's like you're, you're black or you're white or you're the indoor person or the outdoor person. It's, it's always an and, as I say, but it's like, sometimes you just see how the scales kind of sit heavy on one side. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, you lean hard to the other side just to try to, even just to try to even them out just a little bit. Because even in your case, if you did all of your classes outside and only ever did it outside for the rest of your life. And all of the people who practice, you only practice outside. They'd still probably spend way more time indoors in their lives than outdoors, even if all of the classes were outside. So it's still the, the, the scales are still probably not even fully like even back out. Definitely. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, (laughs) yeah, I sometimes don't really fully realize that I'm living actually in a city in Barcelona Mm. because I'm, you know, I'm so often also, if I, even if I give personal trainings, I always, 
offer to the people to do it outdoors uh, at nice locations. So I'm really teaching a lot outdoors. Myself, very often I train outside as well. Sometimes I go also inside. So mm-hmm. I'm always in parks mm-hmm. or in different places around there. So I, I, you know, I sometimes, yeah, other people living in Barcelona, right? They live inside the city, maybe a bit further away from the beach. And then it's like from there to the office, back to the apartment. And maybe on the weekends they get out. Like, I think that would be too much for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, so I, uh, you know, getting outside, be it parks or the sea or whatever is around there, I think, um, yeah, it's, it's very stimulating on, on many levels, for sure. Yeah. Um, how, how do, because I mean, I got to meet a bunch of your, your people when I was out there, and they're lovely. Um, but I'm curious, how, how did they come to find you? How, did you? how did this group begin to gather with you, around you, or, or be drawn to what you're doing? So, um, some of them before I was teaching at a facility called uh, Bamboo Body. And um, after I started giving my own group classes, um, some of them decided to keep uh, joining my, my, uh, my sessions. And then the other ones for now, it is really more mouth to mouth kind of uh, marketing, let's say, because that's definitely one point I need to keep improving is my say branding marketing promotional part um so so far it's really been mouth to mouth and um friends spreading the word um and i probably the same experience that you have it's kind of interesting to see how the people coming they come from all sorts of different backgrounds i cannot really say like oh that's the type of person that comes to my classes they like mm-hmm. have very different and diverse backgrounds which i enjoy a lot um, cause I always get a glimpse into all sorts of different worlds. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and another thing that I've been very lucky with is really all the people that come are genuinely just kind and like lovely people. Like mm-hmm. there's always a good mood. I don't need to, I, I just at once on occasion and it stuck with me because it just really happened once where some, one person came and he came to several sessions and, yeah, the way kind of how he was behaving just was like, he was just kind of messing up. I'm sorry to say it, but he was messing up the whole vibe because it was really like rude and, and at least, and I'm quite an easygoing person, but mm-hmm. you know, he kind of stuck out and I was like, okay, he eventually didn't come anymore. So I didn't have to really uh, say anything. But other than that, I'm always lucky. All the people that come to my class, what they all have in common, they're really you know, lovely people, fun, and uh, definitely also besides training, it uh, you can we also like to spend time with each other. So mm-hmm. that's a good thing. Yeah. Well, I, uh, after we saw you, we got to go to Paris, and mm. I got to meet uh, Alain, who runs or organizes the Movement Practice Paris, and spend a lot of yeah. time with them. And I and I just had him on the podcast too. I don't know. There's like a I don't know. There's a similarity between, I don't know what you guys have going on. You know, all of his mm. stuff is outside and, mm. um, and he's fully committed to that. And also, I don't know, just the, the, the vibe of the group is, is very similar. They're very, I don't know, just kind of down for anything. 
you know, mm-hmm. and yeah, also, yeah. you know, don't kind of look to him as like a religious figure or anything. They're just kind of like, oh, hey, you're fun. We're fun. And, you know, willing to kind of take risks, willing to to not just kind of stay in some sort of defined box of what they think movement is or anything. They're just, I don't mm-hmm. know. They're just, they're, they're, they're just a very goofy group that wants to kind of be goofy together. And I don't know, that was kind of the vibe I got with your group as well. There yeah. was a little bit of that. Yeah. Yeah. Like let's, let's go for it. And, yeah. you know, even he was just kind of like, Oh, like I help kind of point in directions, but I'm not, I'm not cracking a whip. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, man, I, I think I need to go one uh, one day to Paris because I've been following only through social media, but I've been liking a lot his content. And uh, from what you just explained, it sounds really good. So definitely mm. need to check him out one day. Um, but yeah, I, I guess it goes along with the personality of, you know, the person leading, guiding the group. Um, I'm just, you know, I like to have some like, fun and humor and you know being able to mess around also people messing around with me in Mm -hmm. class right so Mm -hmm. I I enjoy that and again I don't think that needs to take anything away of when we want to do the work whatever it might be that we do it seriously Mm -hmm. so I think both can go hand in hand now sometimes maybe we don't speak too much and, you know, we're working on a certain task. Other times, maybe there's a bit more like communication verbally and a bit more laughter. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think both can go hand in hand of, you know, uh, enjoying having a joke, laughing. And at the same time, when we're, when we do the work to be really serious about it, because I find sometimes it can be like either or. So either the class is like dead silence and, you know, the teacher is speaking and it's like, Everybody needs to be, of course, when, you, when you're talking, it's nice if people listen and not just, you know, talk mm-hmm. or interrupt you. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, okay, silence, everybody has to work. And, 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 you know, it's very, very, like, you almost don't want to make any joke or anything. Um, and then on the other side, maybe the other extreme would be like, okay, everybody's like, it's almost like a purely social interaction of just exchanging what did you do last week? And we talk, he, he, ha. Uh-huh, but we're not really focusing on what we actually want to work on here during this session. Mm-hmm. And I think both can work out, you know? Um, mm-hmm. So it's much more enjoyable because then when you're doing the hard, serious stuff, you know, when you, you need to take a break anyways. So it's nice to then have some nice social interaction to loosen up. Okay. Now it's your turn. Okay, let's go. And I focus. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. afterwards again. So, you know, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I I got the same feeling though when you came to do the workshop here as well. Like when you were presenting your ideas and your tasks, like like you know, it was really spot on and clear, and everybody's really listening. And then in between though, there'd still be like some laughs. You would you know would also make a little joke here and there. And so it was a nice combination of trying to do something really focused and at the same time um, enjoying each other. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that there's a I don't know, maybe I get this impression and maybe it's just my own impression, but sometimes it's like, there's this, like, how do I put it? Like a holiness around the work. Right. And it can Mm -hmm. be at different times. I don't know. You know, there's a, there's totally a value in creating a, a, you know, a discipline at, at different points in our lives and things like that. But I also really believe that 
the the being with people thing and and those those interactions can be the more important things at different times for people mm-hmm. as well mm-hmm. and again it's not an or it's an and and yeah. you know i often think that it also comes back to like well well like what's the message you know so you know i see you know if the, if if it's like a very religious message well then it's very strict right but if the you know depending on what the message is it you know that can start to evolve you know i always use like my jujitsu school as an example and and marcelo talking about you know being better with being with people is something that he really cared about and i always thought of that as like the message i think that's why you see like you know if people are kind of on the periphery having their conversations after rolling and all these things and stuff there's there's not the like strict stuff. It's like, well, that's part of being, being better at being with people. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. And, and, and I think about that too, where I'm like, Oh, like I wish for people to be playful. So if we're going to be playful, then we should be creative and adaptable and cooperative. And if I wish for people to be cooperative, well, then they should, they should be able to communicate in verbal and nonverbal ways. And yeah. I don't know what anyone needs to learn. I just have like, fun situations and, and proposals and questions yes but like for some person what they need might need to learn is what it feels like to have someone touch their shoulder and mm. and kind of move with them and for someone else it might be you know chit-chatting and for someone else it might be you know all the different things and, and yeah 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 i think sometimes i guess all that to say that like you know if something's very religious sometimes it can be there's almost like this certainty about knowing what someone needs to learn and if it's a little more open or playful, or I don't know what the, the right word is, it's just a little bit more of this, like, you know, I don't know. I just have, you know, there's, we just have ideas and, and, and everybody's coming to a different place and nothing, and nothing has to happen, you know? <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so good. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's almost you can kind of let it a little bit unfold and just observe and see, oh, interesting. So this person actually reacts this way and that person uh, likes this. Or it's like, yeah, you, you don't want everybody, what you said, like maybe you don't know exactly what everybody needs to be learning. Mm-hmm. Um, and you don't want to like, okay, everybody, I mean, I don't want to like have an army of cl- clone. Is that an English word? Yeah, clones. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Where everybody's like, speaking the same way to me, dressed up the same way, uh, has the same, I don't know, tastes and everything. And uh, like, that's not really what I'm into. So I want to have the diversity and the different characters and personalities of every individual mm-hmm. in my class and also create an environment where they feel comfortable, you know, expressing that mm-hmm. within within the, 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 the work frame of whatever we're doing, of course, you know. Um, mm-hmm um so and and then for me that's interesting to see how everybody develops a little bit differently now if i for example maybe see okay someone is a bit more on the end of pulling off a lot of jokes Mm -hmm. and is maybe now we're trying to you know solve this problem do that and he's not really helping actually to solve that problem because he's joking too much i might Mm -hmm. definitely say hey okay like Mm -hmm. i get you or that's fun but see if you can maybe try this out and then afterwards i don't know like just uh point out mm-hmm. okay i need you a little bit more focusing on this or that 
but yeah, yeah I'm not going to take out the whip and like, everybody yeah. needs to like, uh, you know, follow orders here. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how you feel about this, but it's something that, you know, was, was brought to my attention. Maybe when I talked to David Wilson for the podcast first, but mm-hmm. I've talked, you know, a few people have mentioned the idea, but I think maybe he brought up just the idea that people in this space, we'll call it, you know, in, or at least in the movement space, you know, it would be helpful for people to really think about kind of like the teaching part and the communicating with people part, you know, and that, <clears throat> what, what does that really mean? And what does it mean when you understand that people are coming from so many different places and how does communicating with people through that lens look like, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and there was no answer. He wasn't offering like a, here's how you do it, but just kind of like really think about like what, what's happening when when we communicate with people you know because everybody's coming from such diverse experiences right and then i take it a little step further and start thinking about oh like you know about teaching you know knowledge versus intelligence and things like that you know facilitating versus instructing and you know it, it can get really fine and sometimes i think people jump to just like oh like i'm just going to start teaching and i and i I'm totally in everybody. Everybody should teach anything that they want to to anybody. But like, you know, when you're like, Oh, I'm going to stand and and facilitate and I'm going to organize a group and teach or facilitate, you know, there's, there can be a lot of weight that comes with that. Right. You know, because like, like you don't know who's going to land in front of you and you don't know where people are coming from. Um, They, you know, so it's a two way conversation. Uh, for sure. I, I probably belonged a bit to the, I'm just going to start teaching people. <laughs> so, uh, and, uh, and then it's just over time that I'm seeing every time more and more like, oh my God, this is such a big topic with so many ways of how you can do it and so much to learn, which is on one hand, really exciting for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but on the other hand, it's like, oh, okay. So when I started off, I really had no clue. <laughs> and um, yeah, and, and I probably went more down the line of like, okay, I know a bunch of stuff. I'm going to hand it out in sort of an instructional way mm-hmm. and then overload sometimes with some details on certain moves or something like that and be overly corrective. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I thought that would be like, that's a proper, a proper teacher there kind of mm-hmm. in, my, in my head. And that, that changed quite a lot since then. And um and I think one thing is definitely what you said, it goes both ways. So um, meaning I really try to pay attention, listen and observe as much as I possibly can who I have in front of me mm-hmm. and what I feel maybe they, they, they need on that certain day maybe as well. So, so I don't know how the work day was and maybe they come and they're like a little bit down. Um, and if I know that person from a little bit longer, maybe I know what that specific person might need right now, just to, you know, I don't know, get a bit more energized or something like that. And um, so, uh, yeah, being much more observant. Of course, people that you, you also know, that's always what scares me most if somebody new comes to my class, because mm-hmm. I don't know anything about them. And I'm just, okay, let's see how that person talks to me. Let's see how he reacts. Let's see how he takes it. If you give him a little bit of feedback, is he mm-hmm. like super defensive or is he like, oh, interesting. 
um, the first time when they come, it's always like, ah, I don't know who I have in front of me. But when they come more often, then I know. And then also, you know, I, I definitely try to like change the dynamic during the class, depending on how the people react. So maybe the group comes and the, 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 they're a little bit down the whole, not down, but the energy is like a little bit low. I have planned something. I'll just change it and switch it up maybe to something to just get them moving, sweating a bit. And then I have their attention again. Mm-hmm. And then I can go into what I wanted to do. Um, instead of just rigorously following my plan and say, even if I see that not really into it, or they're still a little bit low on energy, I'm just, I'm not just going to be like, ah, uh, we just need to get through this. And I, it doesn't matter if you feel like doing it, we just need to get through it. I'll be like, okay, I see everybody's like on a different level here or a different, I don't know, mood mindset. Let's change it. Mm-hmm. And maybe we stay with that thing into what I changed and just keeps evolving or, or maybe then I switch it back to what I had uh, uh, originally planned. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, and that's just one aspect of so many things when it comes to teaching, um, which yeah, for me, it continues to be an infinite world of so many things um, uh, there is to learn. And I think that's one key point, at least in my opinion, I don't know what you think about it is like, teaching goes hand in hand with learning constantly as well mm-hmm. be it about how you speak, be it who you have in front of you, be it about your content, how you present your content. It's like, for me, at least that's part of it in order to, you know, to make it work. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, that's yeah. I mean, it's, you know, that's why I said, you know, thought, you know, it's a, it's this two way conversation, right? You show up and you have ideas, or I show up and I have ideas, and they show up and know everything about themselves and where they're coming from and their experiences. And then it's like, well, how do we see how, you know, my ideas and your experiences can dance with each other? Right? It's not yeah. like one is supposed to defeat one another, right? <laughs> and yeah. uh, I mean, I think I, you know, I, I'm like you. I've changed a ton, you know, and, and I realize so much of it is like how we're taught things, right? We're taught things with a lot of words, a lot of descriptions. It's very knowledge and, and memorization. And, you know, that's how things kind of get beaten in our, in our brains, but it's really only one way of teaching. It's like this kind of linear way of teaching. And, yep. and, and that's probably what I was doing, you know, or I was doing, you know, it was really very, I would just, the way I describe it, it's very word heavy, lots of words. And I would say over the years, and then probably more so in the last couple of years, it's less and less words. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I think the reduction of words has been for me very valuable, right? Mm -hmm. And that's where it's, to me, that that kind of step into the the idea more of facilitating rather than teaching. You know, it's one of my favorite things, you know, when I talked to Shira Yaziv and she said, you know, the difference between facilitating and teaching is facilitating is creating opportunities for people to learn and teaching is showing up thinking, I know what you need to learn. Yeah. 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 And and we're, and and we're like, we're these rich learning machines and and learning is so different than memorizing or learning is so much different than knowing learning is just our ability to kind of tinker and discover and let things unfold, you know, the same way, like people always use the example of walking, but it's just a great example. No one taught us how to walk. We learned yeah. how to walk. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. 
yeah. right? If we yeah. stand outside en enough days for enough hours, we will learn a lot about when the weather is changing and how it looks when it's going to change without knowing being taught it. We can just be out there and, and sense and we can yeah, just, you know, like people who spend a lot of time outdoors. Oh, hey, you know, it's going to rain later this afternoon. Really? It doesn't look like it. Oh, well, I can feel the wind or whatever. And and I think that there's there's so much there. It's not as glamorous as all, you know, but I think that, that that's the, I don't know, that's the juicy stuff. I think what I see on Instagram is beautiful oftentimes, but it's it's like the the dessert. It's the chocolate sundaes, right? Yeah. The the broccoli and the and the and the spinach and the grass-fed meat is maybe just a little more of that kind of deeper level. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I mean, <laughs> with the teaching and versus maybe or learning versus following instructions, taking it back to that, uh, the aspect with technology, a little bit what we had before. It's like, so if you have Google maps and let's say you just hold it in front of you and it tells you now go to the right, now go to the left, now go 50 meters forward. Blah, 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 mm -hmm. blah, blah. Okay. Versus here's a map. Here's a compass. Maybe I teach you a little bit how a compass works and uh, you need to go from here to there. See you whenever you get there. Um, off you go and maybe I don't know how often you turn to the right when you should have gone to the left uh, I don't know maybe you even lose your map who knows <laughs> but um, but uh, and maybe you'll take 10 times longer but you know the, the the skills that you will learn along the way if you keep pushing right not if you after five minutes you're like okay this is not for me and you leave it let it go but if you keep doing it and keep doing it I mean what you will get out of that, you cannot even compare it than just following a Google Maps. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. It's, you know what it is? It's, uh, and it's so alluring. It's, it's seductive as a teacher to limit surprise for your students, right? Yeah. Because you want to see them succeed and you're just thinking, oh, I can, I can kind of hand, I could hand something to you right now. Yeah. But that's yeah. Google Maps, yeah. right? Yeah. Whereas real learning to me happens on the other side of surprise. And if I'm limiting surprise, that really rich learning that you're talking about isn't gonna happen, right? Yeah. I, yeah. My friend told me the story and I have to be honest, I don't know why when he told me it made me kind of emotional. Um, maybe we'll figure it out when I tell you, but I said to him, or we were talking about Google Maps and he, how old are you by the way? I'm uh, 33. 33. All right. So we're, yeah. we're close enough. I'm, I'm 36, 37 next week. Um, mm -hmm. So Ooh. we both kind of remember pre Google maps time. Yeah. And yeah. my friend who's maybe a year or two older than me remembers doing some road trips in college, right. Mm -hmm. Without Google maps. Crazy. huh? <laughs> yeah. And he said, you know, when he looks back on it, the things that he remembers the most, the best moments of the trips, were when they got lost. Yeah. I actually just got goosebumps when I said that to you. Yeah, yeah. Because there's something about that where you're like, oh, we, we don't get lost anymore. Yeah. Right? In some ways, it's almost like, I think of teaching in some ways, like how do I create opportunities for people to get lost? Right? How do, I, how do we get as far away from Google map land as possible? Mm -hmm. Because it's such a tragedy that we don't get lost anymore. That's mm -hmm. where the... That's where the 
the the surprises. That's where the experience are. That's where real learning happens when you make a left. When Google Maps would have said make a right. Yeah, yeah. And wow. it's just um, it's I don't know. The, the Google Maps um, example is is just so spot on. Yeah. I, I I almost actually have to admit I also almost got goosebumps the way how you were explaining this story. Um, uh, yeah, I, I definitely it's. I mean, I think the tricky part is if you're gonna do it in class, to which extent do you do it? Mm-hmm. So as you said, you know, we're not necessarily used to that type of learning so much. Mm-hmm. So it can be also very frightening paralyzing maybe for some people at the beginning if they come and it's just like whoa i'm not i don't understand anything i don't even know what to do mm-hmm. and on top of that i'm not getting any kind of real help here yeah so i need to push through it eventually mm-hmm. i'll get some insight onto something you know you there might be some people who like that type of uh, <laughs> environment but i think most people will definitely be like seeking for help seeking for advice so so that I think comes the the art or skill to how do you design certain tasks or or problems that incorporate that, but it's not too overloading mm-hmm. with unknown and non-help and figure it out yourself. Because it's if it's too much, it's like, I mean, yeah, you, you might not almost advance at all. You must you might just think this is not for me. It is for you, but mm-hmm. maybe it's you know, a bit too much. So, and then also judging maybe again, in my case, since most of the people I know, I sometimes hand out a little bit of different tasks, maybe two. I know that person. Okay. Um, I'll show it to you once and then you go off and see if you can figure it out. And then with other people, maybe it take a little bit more of a step-by-step approach, but mm-hmm. not too much still that they need to like struggle a bit of observing um, so kind of finding out how intense you want to go with the idea of letting them go off with a map and a compass, mm-hmm. I, I guess can be a tricky thing. I don't well, know I think how it, 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 with it. Well, to me, it's, it, again, it's, it's, it's not an, an, or it's an and, and mm-hmm. again, it's a, it's a just, I noticed the scales are heavily tipped one way, you know, like if we were in tribes, nobody's handing a child a spear and sending him off by himself to try to take down a giant animal, right? <laughs> there is this little bit of, there's a bit of teaching that goes on. Yeah. But I, yeah. I feel like there's also the, the, there's a little bit more of the balance that might take place, yeah. right? You know, it's, it's maybe, I don't know, I've never been in, in that situation, but I, the, the, obviously there's some sort of teaching unfolds. Yes. Right. Yes. Um, but I do think we lean hard into, words, techniques, answers, Google map kind of teaching. Mm. And I think that that also feeds the, the need for people to be almost uh, addicted to our services, right? Because that's how we kind of maintain businesses, which is something I think about and struggle with on my own, which means that to some degree, we're I was when I when I had my own gym, for instance, I realized I wasn't really teaching people to fish. I was taking them out fishing and I would throw their line in and then they'd hold it. And then if a fish caught, I'd come over and help them and I'd pull it in. And then like maybe I'd put the net under and then they'd they'd pull the fish out and we'd take a photo with it, you know? Yeah. 
I think they um, do fishing trips like that, by the way, right? I'm sure they do. I'm sure <laughs> they do. But for someone to know how to fish, you know, there is this balance of technique and and free play and and them learning and being taught and mm-hmm. and i wish for people to be able to fish and i guess that's not always the best business model but uh you know the first time i really thought about that really and that when it when it really got my wheels turning i went to a, a fighting monkey workshop and i bring it up because i know you've done some fighting monkey workshops um mm-hmm. and we did some of the coordinations and Yosef was just like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna teach you anything. Yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna create opportunities for you to learn. And it's yeah. gonna be a, a project in suffering. <laughs> yeah. Um, so when I went though, one person who had been taking classes with me for a long time came to the workshop too because he was curious and knew I was interested. Nice. And after the workshop, he was basically saying that he thought that that at least that stuff was a really awful experience and that it was bad teaching and was saying to me, Oh, you're such a better teacher. And I was thinking the exact opposite. I was thinking, I was thinking, what the hell have I been doing? Right. I've been handing people fish because I wanted to go home and know that they, that they got the, the thing, not knowing what you talked about that, that the, 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 kind of the hike out there to the thing. Yeah. That's the meat yeah. and potatoes. Yeah. 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 And, you know, it was an eye-opening experience, you know, yeah. and also an eye-opening experience to like kind of what pe- often people expect from somebody who's teaching or leading or facilitating. But, you know, that's, that's, that's the thing. I, I funny enough with the fighting monkey thing, I, uh, a, yeah, kind of person I know also went to one event and mm-hmm. yeah, I'm, I'm so, I, I'm really into the work. Um, so usually I, I, I'm no more careful to whom I recommend it. <laughs> mm. um, I have to admit, because after talking with that person who went to an event, for him, it was awful because um, um, basically that he was like, I, I, I left the workshop and I feel like I didn't take anything with me, he said. Like, uh, I, I didn't get a clear, so to get better in this, you'll start here, then you'll do this, then you do that. And if you keep doing that, you'll get here. Um, and we're going to guide you. And this is the, the, the method or whatever. So there's none of that in that workshop. It's kind mm-hmm. of all over the place sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, not there's definitely you know a, a, a idea behind it and why they're doing it but it can appear when you're new to that work like whoa this is okay we're jumping from here then we go into this and okay um so he felt like he left the workshop without really taking anything with him and mm-hmm. i understood him i totally understood it um and i had more similar reaction like you where teaching wise it would almost be easy for me to go through a very like abc type of teaching we first do this so we can get to that and i'll point you out exactly where to place your hand and your foot and uh the better i can point it out the easier and quicker you you learn it Mm -hmm. um and feel better about yourself and i feel better about myself because you were able to do it so fast and after getting there and exposed to some other ideas by Fighting Monkey, I was like, ah, 
yep, um, I, I need to change some things here. Mm-hmm. Funny enough, the way how I actually learned most of the things is kind of been a little bit by myself. Mm-hmm. I, did, I, I really, most of the years, I didn't have a teacher uh, or somebody doing any like type of programming for me. So I've been going through a lot of trial and error mm. to learn things constantly with many things. And I really enjoy that. I really like that. Mm-hmm. I definitely like guidance and help from people, but I like to take my time for me and figure just things out and see what works, what doesn't work and why and why it doesn't work. So that's been a very important part for me personally, but somewhat I didn't give that, I didn't create space in, in what my teaching or my classes for the other people to go a little bit through that as well mm-hmm. i was more like oh okay i've already went through that i'm gonna give you the clear path in my right. opinion in my opinion the clear path so you can get there faster and then i was like mm, but maybe i'm actually not doing them so much of a favor here mm-hmm. but then again i don't know if the people coming to uh, your classes realize that if they are like I need some help. Help me out. Help me out. And you're like, no, you need to struggle a bit. It's good for you. Well, I think that that's sometimes when it's like, you know, if I, I ended up having this conversation with a ton of people while we were on the, this trip through Europe, this tour. Yeah. And it was that idea of, you know, the what's your message conversation. You know, mm. what's your message? Why are you teaching this thing? And so much of it is kind of, so many of the answers are very surface answers, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, so that people can feel stronger. They can learn these great moves or, you know, they can feel, you know, whatever, whatever the things are, but it's like, yeah, yeah but that's not, it's not a message. You know, there's this great book called the art of gathering. And she says, if you're hosting a gathering, if you're hosting a party, what's the purpose? It's not just, bringing people together and it also can't just be a broad thing like love you know like we're really what's the message like what it, what is it that you really want people to to walk away with like the 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 jujitsu school thing you know being better at being with people oh shit like that's a message mm-hmm. and the jujitsu is just a vehicle for the message you know and, you know, when I look at things like fighting monkey, I see that there, there are messages there, right? Yes. Oh, fighting the monkey mind. Oh, okay. And then all the other thing is the vehicle for stuff like that, yeah. you know? And sometimes I think that it, it doesn't crack the surface. And I think that when the message is clear, at least to the person who's being like, oh, well, this is why I'm gathering all of you. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. stuff becomes, can, can become a little clearer. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. like, if, oh, if, you know, for now, my message is playfulness. Yeah. I can be very clear that I care about creativity, adaptability, and cooperation. Yeah. Oh, well, that's why he's having us do something like this. Yeah. You know, yeah. Yeah. oh, yeah. that's why this thing looks this way. Oh, well, that's how, what, what playfulness. Oh, okay. Because it's a, it's a mindset or it's, you know, this stuff is just the vehicle for that yeah. thing. You know, and sometimes I think people think that I'm like, oh, well, you should have a message. And I'm not saying anyone has to, but I think that for people who are, 
are looking to gather people on a regular basis, it's at the very least worth considering, you know? Yes. Yes. You know, that's a, a good, a good task for myself right there. Mm -hmm. what, uh, what you propose for sure. Mm -hmm. uh, not just maybe yeah, putting out there, these are the things that you'll get better at or you develop or whatever, but actually like, but what's the meaning behind it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Did you feel like that changed for you actually over the last years? Like, did you even think about that? Uh, big time, before? big mm -hmm. time, big time. You know, again, it's probably something I've said on here a number of times, but it's always worth repeating. I chatted with, uh, with Marlo Fiskin uh -huh. and I asked her, I just said, what do you feel like isn't talked about enough in movement? I think that's what I said. And she didn't miss a beat. She just said uh, how our practice and our teaching can reflect the changes we want to see in the world. And maybe she didn't mean it exactly the way that I'm articulating it, but what I ended up run, walking away with was, oh, you know, what are my values? What's my message? What are the mm -hmm. changes I want to see in the world? And mm -hmm. how can my teaching reflect that? Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and I thought so much about the idea that I look around and see people trying to force and control and defeat, whether it's their own bodies, other people, the environment that they inhabit, uh, you know, different societies with each other. And I just thought to myself, oh, I, I genuinely wish people were more open to surprise and uncertainty yeah. as opposed to trying to force and control and just kind of kept distilling it down to this idea of, of playfulness, right? So, yes. so before I go into a workshop, for instance, I don't really think about the material. I just kind of think about the message. I just think you know, just, just stick to the message. And, and that's what, what matters. I don't know if other people do that, but I just, I, I, you know, when I take classes with people who I see that they have a message, I can feel it when I'm, when I'm in there, I'm like, Oh yeah, they're just, they're sticking to their message. Yeah. You said before values, right? Um, mm -hmm. That's an interesting thing for sure, where I think, over time, also the teachers I've been really interested in and seeking is like, I also sense that I really appreciate their values as a human being and how they transmit that through whatever content that might be. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that's a good, a good thing to take into consideration when teaching, because otherwise you get more caught up in, in the thing that you're teaching. And that becomes maybe like what you said before, very religious, very like the sacred, holy I don't know, whatever it is that I'm teaching, it's like, well, what's actually behind that in terms of like, how are the people interacting in between each other during the group and how are you speaking to the people and how are you listening to the people? And uh, those things definitely have as much value as learning a specific skill or getting stronger or more flexible or whatever it may be. Um, so yeah, the, the idea of uh, what values are trying to transmit as well within your class, um, maybe it's not being thought of enough. Definitely. That's something I want to think of much more as well. So, well, you can, you know, you can, yeah, I mean, you can almost, you can like look at it, you know, yeah, I don't know, a game maybe that I would play in the workshop, someone could play the same game and teach it in their, in their class, but if they're coming at it with a different message, the game could look totally different. 
Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. Um, yes. You know, you can, you know, toss a ball around on the ground. Right. My message is playfulness. So I'm going to really support the idea of not getting addicted to competence and surprising yourself and, and, and looking for things that you haven't seen before. Right. Mm -hmm. And being cooperative with the environment that you're moving in rather than trying to, to control it. Whereas someone else, or maybe their message is, is, is one of seriousness and, 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 and work ethic and, and winning maybe. And then it's always, Oh, well, you need to you need to defeat this game. You need to win this game so that you don't start getting surprised by this ball anymore, right? Yeah. And yeah, then yeah, the game yeah. takes on a whole different thing. But I don't know. I I and maybe you agree, but I think that you know someone I read somewhere or watched somewhere talked about how you know creativity is a transferable skill. You know, and people talk about transferable skills and movement quite often. Right. Um. Right. So, you know, if we learn or not even learn, if we're given the opportunity to be creative in one place and we do that a lot, it can move into other parts of our life. We can be more, we can be creative. Yeah. But I think yeah. the same goes for these mindsets. You know, if I, if I, if I want, if I wish for people to be more playful, right. And I share that on a regular basis or, or present that idea or that world for a couple of days, even then, I don't know, maybe they'll walk into the world and be more playful, not just with a tennis ball or with a gymnastic yeah. straps that like yeah. how they are with people, you know, yes. like, yes. like to me, what we're doing right now, like this is playfulness, right? Yes. We didn't, we didn't plan this conversation. It's totally surprised. It's totally uncertain. Yeah. And it just means that you and I have to cooperate and adapt to what's happening in, in this conversation. And I don't know. To me, then I'm like, oh, well, this is infinite play, what we're doing right now. Yeah. yeah. You know, and then, and yeah, that's, yeah. so that's what I think of when I think of the message thing. I realized it was a little long winded there, but I mean, yeah, it's, um, it has the potential to be something really rich if people spend time on it. Yeah. 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 I, I, I feel otherwise also you get too much stuck with your, like your content or whatever it is that you're trying to share. And then you get like almost a, offensive with it sometimes like oh this is like this is how i teach this exactly and uh, and um i don't want to change it or you better do it this way because this is the best way to do this and that but um by doing so you're like yeah you're not maybe even being open to maybe this this maybe in a couple of years you'll be oh there's another way how i could do this or there's uh i'm changing my interest into different topics but if your values are kind of like set and you're always generally trying to like you know transmit like let's say you want to be empathetic with the people you want to make sure everybody's cooperating you want to make sure um you know they're being challenged but at the same time uh enjoying that experience which enjoying of course can be a bit different from person to person mm-hmm. um uh, those things is like if you can maintain those then yeah the, the content uh, not that it becomes irrelevant but um you can keep changing it as well so and you're not too stuck with this is what i i'm teaching and this has to be done in a certain way um but yeah um so yeah, I agree. I feel like the content can become the class 
right? Yeah. And yeah. but then again, it's like, and, and maybe you've noticed this, like if you look at people now and reflect on them with people who have messages, I think to myself, like, whatever the content is that I've used, if someone told me you can never use that content again, I don't know that I would be heartbroken because mm-hmm. if I have the message, like yes, the content will fill in. Yes. You know, but if with people who are kind of still just in the layer of content, if someone said, well, listen, you can't teach handstands, QDRs, or muscle-ups anymore, they might be like, oh, shit. Yeah. Well, what am, what am I going to teach? Yeah. Yeah. You know? And, uh, and it's not to say that one way is, is right or wrong necessarily. I just, I'm almost offering it as this uh, thing to consider. You know, because it can, I guess, because it can be more, it can be more than just the content. Yeah. I think it also allows that your content can change. So for instance, if I think, oh, this, this is how I teach handstands. This is the only way how I teach handstands. And there's no, like, there might be other ways, but I'm convinced this is my way to do it. So I'm just closing myself up to even listen to anyone or maybe see, oh, there might be this particular exercise that works better for that person. Or maybe the, like, there might be other ways to to do uh, or learn handstands, but I'm just close to that because I say like this is my way of doing it, and so on and so forth. Me, I still I still teach handstands, right? Mm-hmm. I do that in my classes, but the way how I teach handstands to compare a couple of years ago, not that it changed drastically, but I've learned that there's so many ways how people teach handstands and so many different drills, and what works for one person doesn't work at all for another person. So. Um, I've been really open to just, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm listening to other people. I'm observing other people, how they're reacting to these or those exercises. And then I change a bit how I teach now handstands and maybe not everybody's doing the same thing. And maybe, um, you know, I'm considering, you know, what, maybe this should not be something that that person should be doing at that level, but I'll change it up anyways, just to challenge him in a different way. And maybe that helps him down the road. So meaning that, I want to, by keeping my values, I'm, I'm not afraid to change the content or make adaptations to the content. Or if I see something could be done better or different than how I was teaching it before, I'll, I'll gladly do these changes mm-hmm. because, uh, you know, my values are more important than just sticking on to this content in that certain way and being mm-hmm. very defensive about it. Yeah. 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 It's like the, the welcoming of change is a scary thing for people, right? Hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Right. Being, being like, Oh, I'm willing to say that what I was doing yesterday is not what I'm doing today. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it takes a, you know, I admire that, that, that quality because I think that people want to change sometimes, but are afraid to that something is they're going to be looked down upon for changing. Oh, and it can happen, right? Mm-hmm. It can happen as well, I guess. But I don't want to get too stuck with, with, the, with the thing of the values. But again, if maybe you identify yourself more with certain ways of how you do things, you know, if you identify yourself more with your values, then maybe letting go of a certain thing that you're doing or a certain way how you're doing it, something is not such a big deal. But if like you identify yourself with doing that thing, Mm-hmm. with these people and then you let go of it and it's kind of 
part of yourself is also all of a sudden like, oh, so who am I actually exactly again? Or what am I into actually? Mm-hmm. I need to figure that out now again. I need to reflect. And that can be a scary moment, I guess. Yeah, well, I think people, you know, you know, what do they say? You know, attachment's the greatest form of suffering, something mm-hmm. like that. And they say, you know, we can be attached to anything. So we can be a cha- attached to our identity, right? And so much of the things that we're talking about, like the content of what we do can be our, we could become our identity, you know, yeah. and then, but we're, we're changing constantly, you know, biologically, we're changing the things we are interested and in, we know about are constantly changing and there, there might be a great bit of suffering trying to hold on to things Yeah. when, yeah. you know, when, when change is, is, is inevitable, you know, we're, yes. you know, we're getting older, we're moving closer to death, but we're learning all these other things and our, our ideas and thoughts and emotions are changing every minute and second and our hair is getting grayer and all this stuff. And, you know, the holding on is a really painful thing. It's a, and, it, and it's exhausting. And I, I've used it, you know, just talking about movement, you know, there's only so much room in our bag, right? And, yes. it, and eventually we have to we have to make room for the new for for new things if we're if we're if we're on board with change, you know, if if I'm interested in whatever dance and and creativity and imagination and all these things mm-hmm. and communication, mm-hmm. uh, then maybe I need to make space in my bag by moving the muscle up and the planche and things onto the shelf and just every once in a while, just being able to glance up at the wall and look at the photos and be like, Oh, that was, that was cool. Yeah. And look at this other thing. Yeah. You know, yeah. and then those things go in the bag and then eventually they kind of get moved to the side and you're like, Oh, and then what yeah. else can I, what else can I put in the bag now that I've created space? Yeah. 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 Have you, you found know? that, had, have you found that difficult at times? Uh, there have been, times where the letting go is is tough or just the or the willingness that it might be let go of right um because there's identity things especially being tied up in 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 one way of teaching or something yeah especially you know at the times where you know i was doing more private coaching or or even had the gym where it's like there's certain expectations Mm -hmm. um but now i really find it to be this like really thrilling thing you know i was teaching at this place very briefly during the pandemic and during one of the meetings you know i was i'd been teaching a lot of different stuff and someone said you know oh you know do you think you'll be teaching the same thing or the same way two years from now i forget what they said two three years whatever two years from now and i said i hope not (laughs) i I hope not i don't i you know i want to keep teaching new shit and getting excited by new things and yeah and and also say it's again it's not an an or it's an and like the new things and the things that get us excited can be as great as the other things it's an and it's not it's not muscle up or dancing and it's not handstand or communication Mm -hmm, oh mm -hmm. this and that can be really fun and exciting but sometimes it's just it's the making it's the making the space you know yeah, I don't know. I don't know how you feel or if it's something you've thought about, but it's it's a va- it's valuable, I think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, 
So do you remember at times like what actually excited you of, let's say when you were more focused, like on, on ring strength training or these type of things, what excited you? And can, can you then, when somebody comes and is excited about those things, mm-hmm. can you still like, you know, understand him in that regards or because it can happen to me sometimes that I'm sometimes that I, okay, I moved on maybe to something different yeah. and then I'm like, yeah. I should not forget that the people that I'm teaching, you know, they have their interests and their things. And not just because I'm now excited about something else. I'm like, okay, everybody should be doing this this now in class. Mm -hmm. I'm like, you know, I've done way too many handstands. (laughs) So I'm really like, uh, I had enough of that. But then I need to remind myself sometimes, like some people in my class are just really excited about getting better of being upside down. Yeah. I'm like, Yes, I, I do remember that feeling of excitement for sure, but I kind of need to refresh it because I don't want to take that away from them neither. You know what I mean mm-hmm. by that? I totally get it. And I think that, uh, you know, I think there's like a little bit of a, maybe a lot of bit in certain circles of movement where there's this elitism, right? Where there's, you know, this is the way or this is the thing or these are the moves or something. And I think that, maybe for me at different points through going through change, maybe the elite, the elite elitism followed me for a little while. And whatever mm-hmm. the thing is that I was doing, it was like, well, this is more important than whatever that thing is. Okay. And yeah, it couldn't, yeah. and couldn't have the same excitement, but um, it, that's definitely changed because I now think to myself more about the wish for everybody to be whatever their unique, curious, different thing is Mm -hmm. yeah more so than being into whatever i'm into yes you know and i also think that that takes and i'm not you know this is not me preaching about my own humility but i think that it takes humility right it takes this this even the willingness to say oh you know that's so great you know i don't even spend my time doing that stuff as much anymore but charlie does you should contact charlie because Right. That person is really into that thing right now. And I'm yeah, sure would yeah, be yeah, stoked yeah. to share that with you. Yeah. Or, you know, oh, like, you know, I, I used to hand balance constantly. It's, you know, such an amazing journey. It's not where I'm spending most of my time now, but you should, you should contact Yuval yeah. because he's yeah. incredible, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, you know, humility is, it, it, I think, is a really important quality. I think it's that willingness to, to ask for help or, 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 you know, give someone else the microphone, you know? Yes. Yes. And yeah, I think that it's 100% something that I, I've struggled with at different times. And maybe you can relate to that where it's like, well, this is the way. And then get into the place a little bit more of the, Hey, there's this big bowl of soup and it doesn't taste very good if we're all paprika going into it. Right. Like we need a lot of different flavors. Yes, absolutely. And if everybody around us can become these great, delicious flavors, we have an amazing soup. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that I was going to say that kind of makes, you know, leading a group or I mean, let's just say teaching a group. So it makes it just, in my opinion, way more difficult. Or is it just like we're just not really used to that type of learning? teaching guiding a group um so 
I, I find it way more challenging. Again, bringing it back to the beginning, just, you know, giving out instructions and being very, you know, perfectionist about details seemed, seemed like the easier thing to do. But what you just said right now is like, wow, that takes a different type of approach, different type of, um, you know, being uh, humility, being empathetic with the people, um, allowing some space to them try things out and you're not immediately freaking out if it doesn't go out how you maybe planned or imagined or maybe you shouldn't plan or imagine too much of how things should go mm-hmm. um, that's it's um, quite different quite different um, maybe that's why I find it maybe more challenging but um, definitely worth to consider much more and uh, definitely for me and uh, yeah I think uh, it makes it very complex the whole world of uh, teaching and uh yeah so keeps it interesting though because there's just so much to to learn yeah i mean it's like you know it's a, to me it's just it's such a an exciting thing i don't know but like i said talking to you i feel like you're somebody who's like a thrilled by change maybe your message is something about change you know maybe yeah <laughs> I, I as i said i really want to sit down and give it some thought because i really like the idea of what's actually the the meaning behind um the, the classes that i try to provide um but uh yeah change i mean if, if i reflect a little bit i think anyone who reflects on their life a little bit will constantly see bits and pieces of change but um i I definitely, at the moment, maybe when something changes can be frightening again, or a little bit like, whoa, what am I getting into here? But um, slightly afterwards, it can, I think it's very refreshing and very exciting and like, okay, let's dive into something new and let's see what happens there. Now, you can, of course, I guess, take it over the top, like with anything and just like be constantly all the time changing and switching it, um, switching it up nonstop that you don't give yourself time to actually dig into something or understand, get a better understanding of something new. So that's also like, I hope it doesn't come across like, okay, like constant change, every class just completely chaotic and uh, yeah. never getting the, the hold or grip on anything. Like that's also like too far into one extreme. But yeah. as you said, again, with our lifestyle and how we live, like we definitely have everything way too predictable, way too set up, way too comfortable that, you know, switching it up a little bit more often than not would probably do us good. Yeah. But it, you know, it's, it's one of those things that kind of, I don't know, it challenges a little bit of the status quo, right. Yeah. Especially maybe through the Western lens of, you know, as you said, your friend went to a fighting monkey workshop and said that they walked away feeling like they had nothing because yeah. in, in a lot of our cultures, right. We're, we're used to kind of buying products. We show up, we pay a certain amount of money and then we have something tangible or we have something we can go to the bar after and say, look at the thing that I learned. Here's the object. Here's the thing. As opposed to you're going to learn. I don't know. And, but you're going to learn. Yeah. You know, and, and that's why, you know, I often talk about, you know, not being afraid to, to learn things that we can't talk about (laughs) because I don't know. That's, that's the, that's just the good shit. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Things we can talk about are totally cool. You know, like yeah. I, I've loved talking about the, the wordy things that I, you know, we've been able to do or whatever, but mm-hmm. you know, for talking about 
moving through a world and being willing to accept change or being willing to move through a world playfully, right? Mm -hmm. You know, you probably need a lot of those tools that you can't explain. Yeah. Maybe even more so than the tools you can't explain. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> I mean, there's one thing that reminded me of before of when you said less, using also less words. <laughs> Joseph Bartz from uh, Berlin, who, uh, you know, I went uh, to some of his classes a while ago. I think some of his students told me he would do sometimes a class where doing two hours, he would not speak a word. Love it. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> yeah, really fits to him. And it's a really in uh, interesting idea. I'm not sure if I'm able yet to pull that off, <laughs> what the people would say in my class. But um, uh, yeah, that what you just mentioned, like things that cannot be said through words, definitely you know, doing a two hour class without, you know, still trying to get, you know, whatever it is that you're doing during that class, but just no speaking, no speaking. Well, inevitably, there's just so much communication happening yes. you know, in our bodies yeah. with our joints and all the things. There's so much communication happening. And then between people, even without words, so much is being said. Right. Yes. yes. Um, and then with the environment, you're inevitably having this kind of elaborate, you know, dialogue with like whatever it is that that's happening in your space. I mean, yeah. I think, I think we did it when I did the workshop with you, but we did the gibberish, right? Oh yeah. That's so much. Yeah. So, so good. And uh, to me, it's, it's, it's an example of kind of what we're saying. It's like, look how much we were able to communicate with each other, yeah. making up words yeah. about a topic, you know, like we're, you know, talking is, is almost like the newest layer of our ability to communicate. And there's mm. so many, to me, other places that we, we can. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we get information and share information in, in so many, so many ways, you know, but we lean so hard into this thing. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, you know, and, and it's cool. I mean, as I've said, if we didn't have those, the words, you and I would not be doing this right now. So it's amazing. It, 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 no, the podcast would be a little bit strange if we couldn't talk. Uh, right. <laughs> but in a perfect world, we do a podcast where they're, you know, we just get together and it's just nonverbal communication for an hour and a half. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. can watch it. Um, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. Taking away the, the, the words um, just forces you out of their senses to waken up more, I, I guess. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, um, yeah, I'm sometimes surprised with uh, the ability of people to actually like, um, observe mm -hmm. like look sometimes also i feel like i don't know if it's getting lost i cannot really compare it to before but sometimes for me it's like okay like let's say i demonstrate something or i know we're gonna watch somebody else like i i really try in my classes to make sure that i like to partner people up and make sure that they're observing the partner Mm -hmm. And also if they do partner work that they can really, really look at how the partner is moving, how he's reacting. If I'm, if I'm being too aggressive with him, if I need to slow down a bit um, and observing can go further than the eyes. Also, you know, the sensitivity, the touch, the um, whatever goes along with it. Um, but that the quality of just being able to observe. Um, um, yeah. It's, I think something that, can be practiced and should be practiced quite a lot than just verbal 
communication not to take anything away from it of course but um uh, yeah um which i, I think in in uh in your workshop definitely that came not only with the gibberish but everything else that came definitely came into play where it's like okay we're going to communicate with people in so many different ways without using words and you then get to know that person on different ways that you couldn't with just having a conversation yeah i had you know i had this amazing experience this past week so we're you know in the united states this is like a holiday week because we just had thanksgiving ah, right a big u.s holiday so my yeah. whole family got together first time we've been together since covid the entire group oh how nice and there's hasn't been a lot of uh of of breeding in this family so there's only one little child there's a one two-year-old in the whole group <laughs> yeah. and he and i he and i became it was the first time I met him and his name is Michael and we became best buddies and <laughs> played and played and played and played and just, you know, no talking. Cause there's not really much he can say, but like yeah. lots of communication happening. Yes. Right. Um, and it was just interesting to observe because, and not to take, you know, this is not, a, a, sometimes I think people might hear a criticism and think that it's, mm. it's about an individual and it's never about an individual because everything is a cultural emergence as far yeah. as I'm concerned or not, you know, for the most part. So yeah. a lot of people in my family are not really playing with him in that way. So they're not really communicating with him in that way. It's like, they're mm -hmm. always trying to, to word their way through it. And inevitably, you know, he's having his own reactions that kind of combat that because mm -hmm. it's not, it's, it's, it's like inauthentic communication in that moment, you know, other, other yeah. things are happening, but what you got to do to kind of like be with him for that moment yeah. is just get on the floor and just, Hey, like whatever, you know, I'm not going to yeah. talk, I'm not going to talk. What are we doing? We're moving a ball around. We're yeah. playing a tambourine. We're just like, we're dancing, yeah. whatever it is. But like, you know, he, obviously he can't articulate it because he can't talk, but like, when it was done, we like knew each other, you know, like <laughs> I, I knew what he was into and like, you know, what, what, what he thought was funny and what he thought wasn't funny and what interested him and what didn't. And you know, what was fun and what wasn't fun because like, I just sat on the floor and like, was like, all right, like let's, let's play a game, you know, yeah. and not a defined game, but like a yeah. play to play type game. Yeah. As I watched everybody else around me and they didn't get on the floor right? They kind of stayed standing and they would talk to him or talk at him and try to word their way through it. It's like somebody trying to talk to a dog. Like the dog doesn't understand. Yeah. 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 Like the dog understands like through nervous systems and yes. and that stuff. And so it was just interesting to like, you know, be with this two-year-old and like, be like, Oh, this is what communication is like. Yes. Yes. You know? And and we don't change that much. We just kind of lean into the other thing. Right. And, and that's, you know, often, you know, my, my friend said, you know, we, you know, we have a tendency to get in our own way. And that's what I think often a little bit of the getting in our own way is that we, the words get in the way of the real communication. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, what a wonderful way for him also to get to know you instead of you just sitting in front of him, like, hi, I'm Kyle. And uh, <laughs> just yeah, start, exactly. like, explaining to him things. Right. Like uh, definitely got like a nice, like authentic feeling of you in that moment and vice versa. Um, yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I, 
I sometimes like also I, I teach in a different place as well. And many different people come in and out. And then, you know, you, you see them sometimes how they walk in, maybe how they dressed, how they a little bit like, you know, present themselves and come across. And then I'll do like in, in the warm up, just a game of like, not wrestling, but kind of like where we touch each other a bit and we push and pull and test each other. Mm-hmm. And it's just so much fun to kind of just see the personalities first or how they present themselves and then to get the feel of that person. It's like, okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. I'm sure, you, right, you've done uh, quite a bit of jujitsu. Maybe you've, I would assume there was something along those lines as well where, you know, you speak to someone or somebody shows himself in a certain way, but then when you get into more of a yeah it's almost like language it's like okay yeah yeah you kind of yeah you you you, i wouldn't say you really know somebody but it's you've Mm -hmm. you've peeled back a deeper layer when you've Mm -hmm. when you've had some pretty rich nonverbal communication with somebody yeah Yeah, do you agree with that it's like yeah okay like at least a different aspect of that person Mm -hmm. yeah you know you you understand if somebody's competitive or cooperative you know you understand yeah 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 these these things that that their words might argue differently but you're like oh well i can now we get it you know yes 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 um but it's also you know your 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 senses come alive you know so many things it's like the dulling of the senses and the senses are they're our way of communicating moving through the world with our senses alive like that's how we communicate with all the things you know and 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 in this kid's case that's all he's got oh yeah oh because he doesn't have the words you know so he's just communicating with all the other things and you're just like oh well we now that's you know that's amazing you know but it it, i guess it just showed you know with the other people around you know how far we've gotten you know societally or culturally from that from that kind of communication did anybody around you in your family be let's say like uh, maybe I don't know see it like oh interesting mm-hmm. or was it more like oh hey Kyle is like becoming a little child as well and just you know being on the ground with him or was there a bit like oh maybe there's something to it also like interacting yeah I don't think any, any no one really said anything but there was a little bit of like in the beginning a little bit like well you know Kyle's the play guy so this makes sense. But then I think there's a little bit of, oh, there's something interesting going on because on the very last night, you know, I'm sitting on the ground and we're, I don't know what we're doing. We're passing a ball to each other and like playing a maraca or something. (laughs) And then my cousin, his dad also got onto the ground Uh, and sat down next to us and started playing the game. And maybe it was a direct observation or an indirect observation and then just got onto the ground. And it, and it was really nice, you know, it, it was yeah. a little bit of like, oh, that's something. There's something there. Yeah. Right. And uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was, it, it was special. We didn't talk about it. I was like, I just, I noticed it and it was, oh, cool. That's, uh, you know, a little of awareness of, of something. And I'm not saying what I was doing was, was right or the thing to sure. do, but it was, it was engaging and there was like, uh, uh, a long dialogue going on mm, yeah, you yeah. i don't know have you have you ever gotten to like spend time do you does anyone in your family have young kids or anything not yet mm-hmm. not yet i have a couple little brothers but no not yet 
but um, definitely my girlfriend, uh, my partner, she has, her sister has uh, three little ones. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's definitely fun to just see them, how they interact sometimes mm-hmm. and how they do things. And uh, yeah, I, I think from my part, intuitively a little bit, it's like, it just makes sense to dive a bit into their world where they're at and interact with i mean if they already speak some words of course you can also you know use some words with them of course but mm-hmm. um instead of like as you mentioned like talking as a grown-up person to someone who's a little bit uh, sometimes you'll hear grown-ups talking to children as if they're a little bit dumb or don't really get things mm-hmm. or like uh, speak to them in, like in a childish way in a mm-hmm. weird way and i'm like I think they get much more than most humans, as you said, that like in a phase where they're super hypersensitive to things. So I think they really absorb a lot of things. Mm-hmm. So um, interacting with them in, in a way that um, you know channels that a little bit more uh, mm-hmm. probably makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that, um, hopefully... I'll get to experience that more and more as well, for sure. <laughs> well, it made me sad when you left because I was like, oh, man, my my new best friend just took off. I don't have like a <laughs> yeah. all around on the ground with anymore. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not the same when you're in your when you're in your aunt's house and you're crawling around on the ground by yourself. Absolutely. And, yeah. And, uh, then when, you know, there's a two year old there, you can get away with all the fun games. And who knows how fast you'll come across against someone like you, you know, who like is willing to go down there and uh, interact with him that way. So that must pass him. That might, might for sure have been a special event for him as well. I'm sure. well I don't know if you, I don't know you, if you have this experience because it's something I think about a lot, but I, you know, being in that park where you, where you teach your classes, yeah. a lot of families come through and a lot of kids come through. Yes. yes. Do kids ever stop and jump in? on what you're for doing sure. get like, sure, mesmerized yeah. by it yeah yeah, yeah, to me, yeah that's a sign that you're doing something right yeah yeah doing, they'll always like, stop and look and like wait are these grown-ups usually grown-ups don't do things like this <laughs> what's happening here uh-huh. some just like i like oh maybe try it out whatever we're doing or maybe mm-hmm. if some rings are hanging they of course run to the rings nice. um so um definitely definitely and then um and then and, and depending on the parents you know some parents are like no no oh no come you're da-da. and other parents are, are like allowing the children to just try a bit more out i definitely always invite them to like hey you want to come here and <laughs> join like no problem for my part you're not disturbing at all so mm-hmm. yeah always a, a fun moment if something like that happens definitely it's the best that's what i said it, I, I don't know sometime in the last couple of years i remember being out in the park I remember kids walking by and not being interested in what I was doing mm-hmm. or not stopping to pay attention. And I, I forget mm-hmm. what I was doing, but it made me think, hmm, maybe this is something that I don't need to spend time on. That's so good. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I'm like, if I'm doing something that to me is worth doing, I think the kids will stop. Yeah. You know, <laughs> because, because they have the thing. They haven't built up a wall blocking off the thing yet. Like yep. they're right there in it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. You know, if the two-year-old is into what you're doing, you're like, oh, right. I'm, I'm there. I'm doing yes. it. You know, yes. if he walks by, you're like, oh, well, maybe I'll rethink it. <laughs> that, that's a, a wonderful way to kind of get some feedback on, on <laughs> does it make like, does it make sense what I'm working on here right now? Um, yeah. 
get some two-year-olds around me to check in on me. Um, yeah. Like I mean, I, I had, I had this theater teacher when I was in school and he, he was talking about kind of like vaudeville and performing and not quite like improvisation as we think of it now, but kind of more theater style performing comedy. And he said, if you want to know if you're really, I don't know if he said good, good wouldn't be a word that he would have said. If he's like, if you're really there, Mm -hmm. go perform for children very very young children or go to a retirement home and perform for very very old people and he said you will get the most kind of authentic response to what you're doing right and i think the the same goes for these types of play and everything you know like same thing you know i think both groups will if they're interested oh you know. I mean, now now that you mentioned that, mm-hmm. if I reflect on it, probably also true, like elderly people also go, you know, for their walks. Mm-hmm. And more often than not, from them, actually, I usually get like a, a, a look or like a mm-hmm. smile and like, oh, I'm not really sure what you're doing there, but it looks like fun, looks interesting. Mm-hmm. And then maybe more middle-aged people are just like glance over and just keep walking. Mm-hmm. Both of them. So interesting that you also said the elderly people because uh, actually thinking now about it, many of them also like looking, oh, okay, the young people here doing doing actually interesting things, you know, and, uh, and the middle-aged people are a bit more maybe like, maybe they think, oh, interesting, but that's not for me or I don't know what they think. I, I'm not sure, but um, yeah, it's, it's nice if you get reactions from both ends. I agree to that. That's a, that's a good idea, yeah. Yeah, now you should you should... You should do that now. You should just go to, to different spots and pull people as they come by and ask them, what, what are they thinking as they see what you're doing? Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But, when, um, when do you teach your classes? How, or how, many, or how many classes do you do a week? Four classes. And um, for now, there are uh, three of them doing the week af- uh, afternoons and then one Saturday in the morning exactly mm-hmm. and um every class is two hours which i think is a good time i've oftentimes we overdo it to be honest so you know for some people two hours seems like whoa or the first reaction i get from people who come new to a class maybe is like two hours sounds like a lot but um it usually never is <laughs> so, um, but yeah you know it's I really, really am so happy when people come to my classes because it is a good chunk of time out of the day because they still need to come to my classes. So that might take 20 to 30 minutes and back as well. So it's like three hours out of the day for physical practice. Let's put it that way. That's, you know, seems like a lot for many people. So, but usually once they're there, it's always like, oh, two hours already went by. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, what? four times and you, a week, two hours. And you have such a great group too. Like I said, they're just like, I don't know. The people I got to meet were so, I don't know, lovely, fun, willing, interested. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm. it kind of filters by its own. I have this weird, invisible filter, I guess, where I'm, you know, highly competitive or like people who are not curious in anything or people, I, I don't know, people, you know, everybody has their own. I, I'm sorry, that sounded a bit as if I were judging them now. Everybody has their own interests and things they want to do. But um, 
I just have this weird filter where people come across who are really genuinely kind people um, and, um, and, and have, you know, all of them a variety of different wonderful qualities where um, it, they kind of all connect with each other in a way. So it's not like, you know, I can change couples and every couple is glad to work with now with this. No, it's the, it's, it doesn't happen like, oh, I don't want to work with him. Or I don't want to work with him. It's like everybody can work with each other and I can always switch it up because mm -hmm. it kind of just works out. You know? if, uh, if people are, are like visiting Spain and they're not living there, can they come in and join for your classes? Always. Yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Always, always. I mean... <clears throat> Yeah, we, we do have, like, for example, in classes, let's, let's say projects, things we work on, and then maybe we've been working on certain things for a couple of weeks. So if somebody jumps into the class, you know, maybe some of us already or already doing a sequence or whatever it might be that we've been practicing for a while. So just jumping into it will be like, oh, uh, you know. Maybe I'll, I'll give him some other things to work on and so on, but I'm always up for anyone to, to come and, and, and share, you know, our um, experience together. So, um, so yeah, definitely no problems. Anyone who comes by more than welcome. And if, if people want to, to contact you or join or participate or plan to participate on their next trip, how do they, how do they find you? What's the best way? For now, Instagram, to be honest. Okay. Um, Instagram and there's also my email address so you can either write me a message through Instagram or I'm um, also into me email soon hopefully I'll get my uh, webpage going and mm -hmm. uh, you know, push that aspect a bit more definitely have to but yeah Instagram email works for now fine okay what's your what's your Instagram what's your email uh, it's Charlie uh, oh, what's that called in English the the line but underneath like Charlie Oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, yeah, what is it called? What do you, what do you call it? <sighs> Honestly, I just know it in German to be oh, honest. Oh, is it, is it, it's an underscore. Yeah. Underscore. Charlie, Charlie, Charlie underscore Roth, R-O-T-H, A-T-H. Okay. So you have email? Instagram and then uh, email, it's the, the dot Roth, R-O-T-H, movement, at gmail.com that would be the email 